a lot of you know what fad diet proponents will do is they'll say, well, here's the diet. Good luck with it. That takes some time to dial in. So you have to figure out what works for you. It's not sexy. It's not fancy. If we're doing right by our body, we're actually really doing easy things. Welcome to the Trailhead of Trail Runner Nation, where we go on virtual trail runs with interesting guests that teach us a little bit better on how to be better runners and hopefully better human beings. And this is a special monthly training principles episode. Well, we're going to talk about the things that make us better runners. And today, you said guests, Scott, and we have four of them today. Matt Fitzgerald, Stephanie Howe, Bob Sibahar, and Meredith Terranova. Get ready for a fantastic discussion on nutrition. It's the beginning of August. The sun is high in the sky, and it is hotter than a banshee outside in North America. What you need is a Path Projects hat, and boy, do they have you covered. And you know which one I like, Scott? I like the new Zion cap. I like the way it looks. I like the fabric on it, and I think I'd like to be seen in that cap. What do you like about it? Scott, I like the color. I like the shape. And you know what I like? I like the bill on it because I don't like those hats that make you look a little bit odd, like wearing a Jiffy Pop popcorn (laughs) hat. I like the way I look in a Path Project hat. Here's the nice thing about Path Project's hats. They're made for running. They're ultra lightweight. They're super breathable so that you don't get your head all overheated. And they have the sun protection in them. And you can get a chance to win one for free. We've got a contest going, Scott, giving 10 hats away. All you need to do is go to pathprojects.com slash TRN to enter one of 10 hats that our friends at Path Projects are giving out to Trail Runner Nation people. Hey, Ward, you know what else you need? You need skin protection. And Native has you covered. We've been talking about Native deodorant for years. You need to know that they also make high-quality sunscreen. You know, some sunscreens out there, they leave you that sticky, greasy feeling after you apply it. Thanks to Native sunscreen, you can get face and body protection that's lightweight and doesn't leave you sticky and greasy. It's because the sunscreen is made from plant and mineral-based ingredients. And they have your back. They make body sunscreen and they make face sunscreen. The face sunscreen is made with avocado oil and their body sunscreen contains vitamin E. And get scents of summer like coconut and pineapple, rosé. And for those with sensitive skin, try the unscented. And our TRN listeners get 20% off their first order if they go to nativedo.com slash TRN. That's nativedeo.com slash TRN, you get 20% off. Welcome to another edition of Trail Runner Nation. My name is Scott War. And I'm Don Freeman. And today is a training principles episode. If you don't know about the training principles, you can go to our website, trailrunnernation.com. And up in the top where it says podcasts, you can click on that and see all 580 plus episodes. Or if you're new to Trail Runner Nation, we have a training principles section that you can see all of these individual episodes that we have a certain training principle. We bring on four experts to give their take on that principle. And hopefully you can become a better runner because of these episodes. Training principles are so important, Scott, and there's a lot of great views on them. Just not one person holds all the answers. And that's why we bring in four experts. Some of the principles we have, Scott, tell them some of the principles. This is the seventh episode we've done. And the six previous episodes were on pacing, consistency, technical trail running, running with poles, base training, and quality training. If you're looking for a place to start or you're trying to get somebody to catch up with what you know, send them over to Training Principles and and there's a lot of great information there. Today, we're talking about nutrition, Scott. Nutrition is one of those things that has, in, in my training, has evolved over time. When I first started running, I used running as an excuse to eat anything I wanted to eat. I could have the bowl of ice cream every night. I could, I could eat a full pizza by myself and thought that because I'm training hard, I can burn all those junk calories. And that has evolved over time where I've really taken my nutrition seriously and really want to fuel my engine the most effective way I can. Scott, the old saying, you are what you eat. And if you want to be a good trail runner, you've got to feed yourself right. And I can feel the difference when I'm on point or when I'm kind of slacking a little bit. 
And I think through this discussion today, I recognize some of the things that I need to do to stay sharp so that I am running the best that I can run. And it doesn't have to be complicated. That's one of the big overarching principles that we hear today from people with master's degrees and doctor degrees in nutrition is this doesn't have to be complicated. And one diet or one nutrition plan isn't the same for everyone. We're all individuals. We hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we did recording it. I have a list of things that I learned from this episode that I'm going to start implementing into my personal nutrition plan. Now let's hear from our experts. Our first guest on nutrition is Matt Fitzgerald. And and I think of Matt right away because he has a couple of very important books out there that relate to this and, and qualifies him as an expert. What comes to mind are the two books he's written, Diet Cults and Racing Weight. And that's just two in his library. I looked it up and Amazon is going to start charging him rent for the amount of space in their warehouses because <laughs> he has 29 books out there. The most recent one that we we actually talked to Matt about, you can go back and listen to the episode, is Run Like a Pro Even If You're Slow, which half of that applies to me. <laughs> and I, I was just telling Matt before we hit record, probably, you know, I've, I've, I've read admittedly not all of his books, but most of them. And the most influential one in my life that has kind of changed my way of thinking is Diet Cults. And uh, I, I was just telling him, I probably mentioned that book uh, once a week to someone that tries to tell me that their way of eating should be my way of eating. <laughs> and so he's also a certified sports nutritionist and he has served as a consultant for numerous sports nutrition companies. And so we're, we're glad to have Matt back on. He's a frequent guest, one of our favorite guests. Matt, thanks for joining us. What can you tell us about someone that's starting um, the journey of endurance running or someone that is trying to sharpen their sword? What should they know about nutrition? I think, you know, it's almost like a can of worms or a sore subject for a lot of people. <laughs> it, it's just like going to the dentist or, or something. But Nutrition can be fun and easy. And, and my whole approach to it is do like the pros. That's how I look at training. That's how I look at sports psychology. And the same thing with nutrition. And if you look at what you know the, the top runners in the world do with their diet, it's not weird and it's not hard. They have their standards, but like this is something you can do. And so keep it simple. Don't over-science the whole thing. It's more of like a monkey see, monkey do. Like I'll have what the winner's having. One of the things that you brought up in um, your two books that that deal with you spending the summer with a Nas Elite team uh, down in Northern Arizona was the elites, the pros, are think of nutrition in a different way. It's not what am I limited to, but it opens up doors to a massive amount of of opportunity and potential. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, probably the number one thing that most popular diets or diets with names uh, have in common is they're defined by can'ts. Right. Uh, they're defined by their restrictions. Like you can't eat this food group or you can't eat you know too much of this nutrient type or, or whatever. And the elite approach to nutrition is really 180 degrees turned around from that where they are looking about diversity and inclusion. I sound like I'm talking politics all of a sudden, but they're, they're like diet, dietarily, they're talking about uh, they want they want a well-rounded diet that checks all the boxes. So one of the things I've noticed just in, in you know traveling around the world and eating with elite endurance athletes is like some of their meals have just like an amazing variety of ingredients with them. I, you know, I lived with Matt Yano, one of the members of the NAZ elite team in Flagstaff during that summer. And like, sometimes I would say, Hey, what do you got in your bowl there? And it would take him 45 seconds to list all, all the <laughs> things. And it wasn't just him. It's a lot of the elites are like that, which is kind of a good news thing, right? Because it's, it's, there's a reason, you know, that that's good for you to eat a lot of variety. It's, it's deeply human to, to eat that way. We enjoy it. Not only is it good for us, but it's, it's kind of nice to have variety in your diet. Yeah, I, I like the thing that, that that you said there. It's not limiting. It's not the cans. It's the cans. The other thing that I remember out of diet cults is you mentioned what you normally eat on a daily basis, and I was blown away that that you eat Cheerios because that's the way you grew up. Cheerios are not unhealthy, 
And so why should you put a cant on the Cheerios and put it back in your diet? Because it makes you feel good psychologically. Yeah, my, my approach to when I'm working with someone on improving their, you know, if it's a runner who has goals they want to achieve and they, and they know that they have room for improvement in their diet, a lot of, you know, what the, you know, the fad diet proponents will do is they'll say, well, here's the diet. Good luck with it. For me, my attitude is, what are you doing now? Because presumably you eat the way you do now for a reason. Like it's familiar, you like it, it, it's part of your culture, whatever. So I encourage people, don't overhaul when you can tweak. You know, change your diet as little as possible in order to get where you want to go because that will make it more sustainable. So you shouldn't stop eating Cheerios just because you don't think that's grown up or, or whatever. Like if, if you like it, it is whole grains. It is low sugar. Uh, eat it. And and, and Matt, you've coached. Uh, you are a coach. You could go to mattfitzgerald.com and and uh, find more about his coaching. As you're dealing with athletes on a nutrition basis, what are the biggest um, changes that you like to make? You know, the the number one sort of like most common problem in, in the diets of runners is the same thing as the most common problem in the diets of Americans or, or you know, the population at large. And that's, you know, low diet quality, which really just means too many processed foods. In my endurance diet book, I, I talk about like kind of five core habits, key principles in, in the way that the, the habits that elite endurance athletes follow with their diet. So, you know, one of those five habits, and I, I would sort of rank them, if you're only going to make one change, the first one, the first habit you should adopt is increasing the quality of your diet. So that just means hit all the food groups, but have as much as possible unprocessed, you know, natural whole food versions of those foods. So like, you know, your grains should mostly be whole grains versus uh, refined grains with a lot of added fats, uh, that sort of thing. So that's you know, that's low hanging fruit, so to speak, uh, for a lot of r runners. If they're, if they're like basically following kind of a version of the, the standard American diet, uh, you know, just bumping up the quality of the diet. Uh, what's nice about that is you can, you don't have to start eating less and you'll, you will likely lose some body fat if you have body fat to lose. Cause you're those, those foods are more satiating. So you're filling up on fewer calories and without going hungry. You said the standard American diet, and not to drop a name, but but I have to give him credit. I was running with uh, Gordy Ainsley, and he said, you know, most people are on the SAD diet. And I go, SAD diet? What's that? Standard American diet. <laughs> when you were talking, it made me think, you know what I need to do when I'm craving something that I know shouldn't be on my list? I'm going to start eating things that are good first. Fill myself up with something nutritious and see if then if my craving changes because I'm just wanting some extra quick energy, some quick fuel, something that can move in my bloodstream quick. And usually that's something with sugar on it and it's not real good. So I think I'm going to allow myself to have that, but I'm going to eat a plate of something that I know that I should be and then make a decision. Yeah, that's a that's a great mindset. You know, something I do myself and these things seem tiny, but they are it, a lot of it is mindset like, you know, a healthy diet. It gets its own momentum like it really is all about habits. And one thing I do to this day is, uh, you know, if I sit down with a plate of food, you know, usually, you know, my wife does all the cooking and she cooks healthy and everything on it is healthy. But, you know, if I have a protein, you know, say some fish and, uh, and a starch and, and a vegetable, I will always start with the, like the, my fork goes into the vegetable first mm -hmm. and then the, and then the protein and then, and then the starch and I'm, I'm eating it all anyway. It hardly matters, but it really is. It's just like this one of these little things I do to reinforce a mindset, just as you were saying, like fill up on good stuff. And you know, if there's a little room left over for a bite of chocolate, so be it. <laughs> but keep the chocolate across the room because if it's on your plate, <laughs> right, exactly. That's <laughs> not good. <laughs> You know, I, I was just reminded um, as we're talking about healthy nutrition being the cans and not the cans. My, my wife has done a lot of reading on the subject of nutrition and we have started, and I'm not perfect at this, she is, where she tries to eat 40 different fruits or vegetables every week. Wow. And it's, it's been a great journey. Yeah. She's brought fruits and vegetables home that I was not aware of. I didn't know there was something called jicama. Jicama is one of my new favorite pieces of food. Slice those up and put them in a salad. My eyes have been open to just a world of different whole foods that are delicious. And, and, Scott, and yeah. 
Wait till you try a cucumber. You're going to be amazed. <laughs> Where have you been, my friend? <laughs> I will say the only kind of cucumber I like is the kind that's been put in a pressure cooker and made into a dill pickle. All right. Uh, I don't do cucumbers. So <laughs> what what else should someone know, uh, Matt, as they're, as they're trying to improve their nutrition? Another thing is, you know, usually, you know, uh, the focus is if it's not on, you know, macronutrients, it's on like the quantity of food you eat, like how much, right? And because overweight and obesity are, are such common problems in our society, we tend to think like I need to eat less, I need to cut down. Uh, but that is risky for runners because with the training we do, we demand a lot of our bodies and we need fuel for the training, the recovery, for the building fitness. So, I encourage people to focus on, you know, if they, if they want to get leaner, focus on improving the quality of your diet and see what that gets you before you start trying to eat less. Because like I said, you should be able to fill up on fewer calories and the thing just kind of takes care of itself. And you see elite runners, uh, Jacob Riley just went public recently. He was a, a, he qualified for the Tokyo Olympics for the US and the marathon uh, and went down the whole rabbit hole of reds, uh, relative energy deficit in sport. And it completely sidetracked his career. Uh, because he was just thought, well, yeah, I'm an elite runner, but I could be even more elite if I ate less. And he crashed and burned. So be careful with with uh, with restrictions of, of that sort as well. Sometimes you maybe do need to to uh, put down the fork when you're full, not stuffed. But uh, focus on quality first. I think that's a great point, and and something else to remember. Uh, and I'm going to speak to the elephant in the room. And by elephant, I mean me. That sometimes <laughs> we can get on our diet when we're running a lot of miles. And then we stop running so many miles, but our diet stays the same. And so it works both ways, that's for sure. Excellent point. Matt, thank you so much for joining us and giving us uh, some of your golden nuggets that you've observed as a nutritionist and as an elite athlete yourself. Uh, you can find out more from Matt at mattfitzgerald.com. You can see all of the library of books. All of them are, are superior. They're just really good books. Um, he also launched not too long ago an interesting new uh, running camp concept called Endeavor Run. Tell us just a little bit about Endeavor Run, Matt. Yeah, hat tip to my friend Jake Tuber for that. Jake is someone I used to coach who was really, uh, he loved what I did with the NAZ Elite team. And he said, you know, we need to make that kind of experience available for, for every runner. So these camps are sort of like, they're meant to be like a, a condensed pro style running experience for anyone really young or old fast or slow uh, so our next one is coming up in august we'll include the link in the show notes in case you uh, didn't hear uh, the name of that and you're driving down the road um, so you can click on it and learn more thank you matt thank you guys and joining us next is stephanie howe and we love talking to stephanie because she has a PhD in nutrition, exercise, and science. And when it comes to nutrition and trail running, she's a great resource. Yeah. So, you know, as we started coming up with experts for our training principles on nutrition, how could we not get a PhD in nutrition, right? And we don't know that many. In fact, Stephanie is the only one in P that has a PhD <laughs> that we know. And that's why she's on here. And the other reason is, boy, she sure is fun to talk to. She has a pedigree of certificates and educational prowess on her wall, but she also is an amazing runner. She's won the coveted Cougar at Western States, which means she was the first place female back in 2014, Stephanie? Yep, exactly. She's the course record holder at the Lake Sonoma 50-mile race. And of course, since she set the course record, she won that as well. That was the year after. And she set a number of top finishes around the world, including UTMB. She is a pleasure to talk to. Always fun. Always a smile on her face. Stephanie, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. What do you think that runners and endurance athletes should know about nutrition? There is so much. Nutrition is a really complex area to talk about because there's so much that you do, right? There's so many times that you eat per day. There's so many different occasions for eating. It's not like training where you just go out and run and recover. It's like you have to be thinking about it all the time. So when I start with a new athlete, I usually first have them think about it into two different segments. So one, is what you're eating on a day-to-day -day basis. And then two, what you're fueling with before, during, and after your training and your races. Because those are night and day different. Hmm. And right now they're getting really blurred. 
a lot of misinformation is out there. So we're seeing a lot of marketing, like fear marketing, saying, don't eat sugar. It's bad for you. You'll get diabetes. You'll, you know, you'll get your blood lipids are going to be off the charts. And that's really not true. Sure, you shouldn't be eating gels for breakfast. You really shouldn't. <laughs> but when you're training and racing, simple sugars are good. So that's the first thing I like to do is just get them to think about those two occasions very differently. Are you telling me I can't take one of those goos and spread it on my bagel for breakfast in the morning, Stephanie? I mean, Scott, if you want to do that occasionally, <laughs> it's okay. But that's probably not going to be the best. Okay. So you're saying that that racing with a simple sugar is good. Should I train with a simple sugar as well so that I do nothing new on race day? That, that uh, makes me think I should be using it while I'm training. Aha. So that is point number two. Oh. Um, you should always practice in training with what you want to race with. And this, you guys, I have learned the hard way and I'm embarrassed, but I'm going to admit this because I I was really good about training with gels, racing with gels. And, and I, I use the word gels and that can mean like um, stroop waffles blocks, sports drink. It doesn't have to be just in the gel form, but something more more or less simple, a sports product. So I trained with them and raced with them. And I was like, I got this. Like, I know how to fuel. It's no big deal. And I got lazy in my <laughs> training. I was like, you know, I'm just going to take some cookies. I've got mm. some leftover pizza. I've got, <laughs> you know, just like Halloween candy. And that's fine. You can use that. But you have to train sometimes with the fuel you want to use in your races. And kid you not, that year I had like two or three races with just bad stomach issues. And I was like, what is going on? And I actually talked to Meredith Terranova, who you guys are going to talk to as well. And she was like, Stephanie, what are you training with? And like, we went through it. I was like, oh my gosh, duh. So it was like really embarrassing for me because here I am giving people this advice and then I wasn't doing it. So it's really important to make sure that you do train with the, the products that you want to use, at least on some of your key longer runs or leading up to event so that your gut knows how to process them. Stephanie, that would be like your local auto mechanic sitting there at the stoplight trying to take off and it just explodes out of the back of his car. That shouldn't happen to him. He should know better than anyone how to tune his car up. A hundred percent. I'm glad I could admit this, but yeah. And, and that's just another example of like why this is confusing, right? I know better and I still did it. Um, I've since then refined and um, I'm, I'm on a much better track now. I haven't had issues since then. TRN is a safe place for you to <laughs> voice these things. So you're okay. <laughs> Thank you. I love that you distinguish the, those two areas, the normal nutrition that you're eating in your meals. And and by the way, as you said that, I thought, you know, I probably spend more time eating than I do training in a given day. You do. Right? Because you typically three to four meals, depending on how you eat, you spend more time eating than you do training. You absolutely do. So what should I be eating during those? We know that you want to train with and race with maybe some of these simpler foods. What should I be eating in those three squares a day? Yeah. So three to five, we'll say, because sometimes snacks are good. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Depending on who you are and what your day looks like, but those should be comprised of real food. Okay. So when you sit down for a meal, that's when you want those real foods. That's when you want things that are going to have some fiber in them, some colorful fruits and vegetables for the micronutrients, good protein, good fat. That's like, you know, if you think of like a beautiful bowl, I like to look at my website or look at my Instagram. There's lots of food pictures. I like to create these mini pieces of art that are full of lots of fresh foods and really complex fruits, vegetables. They taste good. They're full of a lot of nutrients. That's what you want to eat at your meals. And then when you're training, and, and that goes to not just during the run, but right before as well and right after, you want a more simple form of nutrition because you want it to get into your body. And I'm just going to explain that because I think when you can understand that, people are more likely to do it. So when you're running the blood flow needs to go to your muscles, right? They are demanding energy. And so we need to bring more oxygen to the muscles. And so some of that blood flow is diverted from the gut, which is, you know, we don't really need to digest food when we're running. And so if you eat something complex, it's going to be much more hard to break down to digest, and it's going to delay getting into your body. And that's problematic for two reasons. One, it'll sit in your gut. 
slosh around and that can create GI issues. And then two, the whole reason that you take in fuel is to get that energy into your body quickly. So if you're delaying that energy, it's kind of like, well, why are you even fueling? You know, you could be getting things in a lot quicker. And I realize I'm kind of painting a black and white picture and it's not like that at all. There's a lot of gray and it's not that you just have to take gels or simple sugar, but that should be a lot of where your primary fuel is coming from. And then you, you kind of add in other things as you need. Stephanie, maybe I just need to do more longer trainings, but I find that when I train or race and it's over four hours, there comes a point where I cannot eat another cube, can't eat another gel or stroop waffle. that that stuff, it's like poison. It just doesn't taste good. I can't hold it down. Sometimes those gels I squirt in my mouth and I have to count to 10 because I can't even swallow them. What do you recommend for somebody like that? Yeah. And that's a really common thing. And it's usually around the four to five hour mark when you've been running, your gut is a little bit sensitive, you're hot, you're probably dehydrated. So things start to peel off. So what I recommend is to actually backtrack and set yourself up before that point. So in the first, let's say hour or the second hour, you're going to add in different options and alternate them so that you can get through and still be looking forward to having a few blocks or a waffle or something like that. So I'll add in something savory that's still a little bit simple, but maybe not quite as simple as a gel. So examples could be pretzels, could be potato chips, could be a rice ball or rice cake, uh, could be a handful of salted nuts, which are a little more complex. But again, if you're not relying on all of that, all of those complex options to be your your source of fuel, then you can kind of alternate. And that way you keep your palate interested in different flavors, textures, salty, savory, sweet. And when you get to that four to five hour mark, you're not just sick of that sweet stuff. And that takes some time to dial in. So you have to figure out what works for you. For some people, it's going to be like sports drink and potato chips or other people will be a PB&J and, you know, salted nuts. One of my favorites is actually I put a chocolate bar and salted nuts together. It actually, they melt <laughs> and then I just kind of eat them. It's a little messy, but kind of delicious. So you just need to go out, use each training run as an opportunity to practice this. And I write it down in my notes after I do a run. If you have some way that you're keeping track of your training, it could be on Strava, Training Peaks, or you know, even a spreadsheet. That way you can look back and be like, oh yeah, I, I did this run and I felt awful. And I took like, you know, just Skittles the whole time. And that was not good for me. <laughs> and then another run, like, oh yeah, I alternated pretzels and waffles, and that worked really well. And that way you can kind of dial in what is going to be best for you. I love that idea of journaling what you're eating on your run. That's brilliant. But I will say, as you're talking, I just remembered one of the things that I need to resurrect in my running diet. And that is from, we got from Sunny Blende years ago when we first started the podcast. She was one of our favorite nutritionists back then. She's retired now and living the life up in Montana or something like that. But Don, I don't know if you remember, she used to say that she takes boiled sweet potatoes and purees them into kind of a, a mush and puts olive oil and some salt and pepper on that. And that's Ooh, what yeah. she, she liked to eat on runs. So it kind of mixes mm -hmm. up that sweetness of the stroop waffles and the blocks and the gels with something that's savory and, and very highly nutritious. I, I need to resurrect that, Stephanie. Thanks yeah. for reminding me. You need to. You need to. That's a, that's a great one. Also, uh, white potatoes are good too. Or if you're in a race and that's going to be a little bit hard to do, Instant potatoes are great. Instant mashed potatoes, rather. You could, mm, you know, uh -huh. just add water. Oh, that's interesting. But let's talk about the catastrophe moments during a race when everything is going wrong and everything is going sideways and you need to set the reset button. And that reset button is in the back of the throat. You have to reach back there and bend over at the <laughs> knees and just get rid of what's there. Why is, why is that so powerful? Why does that work? Why do we do it? Ah, uh, I've never done that. Um, to be honest, um, I've never thrown up in a race. 
You have ne- well, you're a doctor, and you need to explain why I do it then. <laughs> why am I doing that, Stephanie? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I practice really well. I don't know. I've definitely been nauseous, though, and, and felt terrible. But sometimes you just, you know, your your stomach is, is sloshing. It's jostling. All of that in there, all of that, whatever it is, um, food, water, hmm. it's just going to make you feel miserable. So sometimes throwing up does release some of that. You you don't have that volume in your stomach anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you can slowly start to replenish. And, and a lot of these issues, uh, GI issues, just come from getting behind on fueling, which sounds so weird. But if you get behind, what happens, remember how we're saying the blood flow is diverted from the stomach to the muscles. Mm -hmm. So if you have like big chunks of time where you're not fueling, and then you take in like a PB and J or whatever it is, and you don't have the ability to digest it, it's just going to sit there. Whereas if you do periodic, like little bits, like I like to do every 20 minutes or every 30 minutes, you're going to maintain a little blood flow to your stomach. And so you don't have those big upsets. Mm. So that wasn't your question. So let's say it's it's all like you're feeling awful. We got it all out. You want to start replenishing very slowly. Okay. You don't want to introduce a huge bolus of, of anything into your stomach. So I think sipping um, on some sports drink can be a good way to start. And then nibbling on something salty is usually a better way to start. So mm-hmm. potato chips, for some reason, can be magical. Um, it might just be like the salt on them or the grease and, um, just little bits and just try to walk, like, don't try to like force running. Um, and then just slowly get back to feeling like yourself and then you can take off again. Scott and I were recently volunteering at mile 52.5 at your race that you ended up with the Cougar from in 2014. And there's a large climb at the Western States at that mile marker, 2.85 miles up in the heat of the day. And there was a gentleman that was having a tough time. And all of a sudden he started, you know, losing what was in his stomach. And everybody collectively at the aid station looked in approval saying, yep, he's going to be fine now. Uh, Now he's good. He's good to go because he he got rid of what was there. And we just knew from our experience Mm -hmm. that sometimes that helps. It does. Yeah, it does. My goal as a sports nutritionist is try to prevent that from happening, but sometimes you Mm. just can't. So yeah, it it does happen and then you move on. There you go. (laughs) Stephanie, thanks for for all the wisdom. Um, You can find out more about Stephanie and her coaching at stephaniemariehow.com. We'll leave the link in the in the show notes. There's uh, more information on coaching. There's more information on nutrition. And she has lots of recipes there. And as she mentioned, you can also follow her on Instagram where she posts the art of nutrition. <laughs> Stephanie, thanks for joining us again. Always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. It's great talking to you. Don, knowledge is power. Inside Tracker breaks down the science between blood biomarkers and your performance. Get the roadmap to your PR with personalized nutrition and performance plan. You want to know who likes Inside Tracker? Mike Wardian likes Inside Tracker. He just ran across the United States. He seems like he races almost every weekend. The guy is amazing. And one of the keys to his performance is Inside Tracker. I like what Devin Yanko says. She says, they're not looking for illness. They are looking for optimization. Here's how Inside Tracker works. First, you go to InsideTracker.com. You pick out a plan. You get your blood tested. You tell them a little bit about yourself. They analyze that blood, and then they give you the plan to improve and the tracking mechanisms and the motivation to improve. Are you interested in Inside Tracker getting a PR this next season? Just go to our website, go to the deals page, click on Inside Tracker link, and you'll get 20% off the entire store and every plan. Scott, when we were talking about nutrition and doing a training principles, who did we think about? The very first name that came to mind. Duh. Bob Sebahar. You guys are so nice. <laughs> and he's joined us. Why did we select Bob? Well, we've had him on before. He's talked about nutrition with us before. He's a board-certified specialist in sports dietetics, the former director of sports nutrition for the University of Florida, and served as a sports dietitian for the U.S. Olympic Committee. So he knows a little bit about nutrition. 
And we thought he could give us a few good golden nuggets to help us become better nutritionally. So Bob, thanks for joining us. As you coach athletes, what do you see as the biggest opportunity for many of your athletes, nutritionally speaking? Yeah, there's actually a lot of opportunities. I think one of the main ones is, to be honest with you, if I could title this, it would be extreme nutrition. Mm. Ah. When what I mean by that is kind of talking some of these athletes off the ledge, if you will, of following extremists uh, approaches to nutrition. And that's, I mean, for the past 20 years I've been doing this, there's, there's always kind of that bell-shaped curve, if you will, in, in anything. It can be training for ultras or what nutrition. And there's always a few people that can pull off those extremes. In the nutrition world, we refer to those as the keto and the high-carb, low-fats, which is kind of morphing into plant-based these days, right? So we know that there are extreme dietary behaviors that like a handful of athletes can actually be successful with. But the majority of us actually have deleterious effects when we try these extremist approaches to nutrition. So I think that's that's really the, the main thing that I'm trying to implement these days and educate athletes on, especially runners, because there's so much floating around there, especially in the ultra world, as you guys know. We've all seen and read articles from uh, this vegan runner saying that that they have reached the tip of the pinnacle of of racing and <laughs> on on the vegan diet and everybody should subscribe to it and then seeing the other side of that bell curve where someone comes on and says yeah. you know all I eat is uh, raw meat uh, or whatever and and right. and and, it, and, it, and right. I've reached the pinnacle so so for us lay people where do we start I mean what what uh, advice yeah. do you give those people if I'm if I know that I need to improve my running performance or my enjoyment out on the trail, what kind of advice would you give those runners? Well, and Scott, you hit something really important I want to highlight. You use the word enjoyment, right? And for those of us who are not professional runners or athletes, and I'm sure there's a little bit in their psyche also, but we really do this for enjoyment, right? We're on the trails, we're in nature with friends, like whatever it is, like this is our main focus for especially trail running. So I bring that into the nutrition world. So nice. I, I'm actually glad that you said that because I want people to have enjoyable experiences with nutrition and the extremist approach are the exact opposite because it's 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 elimination based it's do this don't do this it's good bad and to be honest with you like nobody wants to live their life like that to be i mean <laughs> let's really look back like for those who are vegans or carnivore if that works for them so be it like thumbs up like awesome right if you're enjoying it even better but i have not met yet and i will state this for the record a keto or a vegan plant-based high carb, low fat, who is actually enjoying every single day meal experience what they're eating because it is so restriction based. Mm. And so I'll, I'll go on the record saying that. So I do think we need to add the enjoyment factor, which kind of cycles back into the whole behavior of nutrition. Like we need to be able to, to, you know, let our hair down. And that's, that's kind of a pun. Cause I have no hair as, as you guys know, but let our hair down a little bit in, you know, after, after a run, like what happens after ultras? Like you have these adult beverages, you have your pizzas, you, you're hanging out with your friends. Like let's come back to kind of the true roots of trail running and of nutrition, which means there is a little bit of give and take there. That that's kind of my message as of late. So let me ask you, Bob, we, we heard about each side of the bell curve. What does the middle of the bell curve look yeah. like where enjoyment exists? The middle is beautiful. That's like the, <laughs> you know, you're out on this run and you've got all these wildflowers and you're just like in the pinnacle, like literally of, of existence at that point in the run, right? You're like, wow, this, I want to take a mental picture of this really. And, and we've talked about this before in the past, but it's, it's really choosing foods that you enjoy that work for your body too. I should add that. Like, like if broccoli doesn't work for me for whatever reason, I'm not going to eat broccoli. Like there are so many other vegetables that I can include that I may enjoy enjoy more. So it's really about choosing those carbohydrates, the protein, the fat, 
putting them together to elicit the best blood sugar response we can. And we've talked about that before, my metabolic efficiency training concept. Right. That's what it's all about. It's about choosing fruits and veggies you enjoy. It's about choosing starches and grains that you enjoy and proteins and fats and, you know, kind of getting away from this good, bad mantra and really kind of that bell-shaped curve, the middle where most of us should be running right now is really about enjoying different foods, experimenting with different foods, And here's the thing, like scientifically, we know we're all built differently genetically, right? We also know that certain foods can trigger certain genes in our body to have different reactions. So between the three of us talking, we like if if I eat broccoli, it might have a different interaction than it does for you, Scott, or for you, Don, right? So we also need to respect the individuality, not only the taste preferences, but what it actually does inside our body based on our genetic and family history. This sounds like a a philosophy for life, right? Exactly. Stay happy, stay in the middle of your own bell curve and be true to who you are, which means if you're going to enjoy trails, go out and enjoy them. Don't hold yourself to a watch. Don't make yourself to do repeats on something unless you have a short-term goal that you're trying to obtain. I like like the new Bob Sibahar uh, philosophy. (laughs) If you started a cult, I would join (laughs) your cult because this really sounds beautiful. I love it. I love it. Well, if you would have turned back time about 20 years ago, and I'm I'm still super competitive, but I've left part of that behind. And I'm enjoying, like, it, we all know, like, we're aging. Everybody is aging the, the minute we're born, right? But I feel like as I've been aging, I, I truly am growing wiser, especially in the nutrition category, and trying to keep nutrition in check with life enjoyment, right? And like, even when I go out for trail runs, it, it's not about attacking hills anymore. It's like, listen, I'm going to walk this. Like, I'm going to enjoy this a little bit more. Even if I'm training for a race, like I still have that. I don't have that mindset of I have to do this. And I think that's what I'm trying to bring into the nutrition world is not the have to or, or should. It's the I can, like I want to, right? And that's that's the enjoyment factor. So I do appreciate you bringing that up because it is it has changed. Like my my philosophy is held steadfast with whole, the whole controlling blood sugar, metabolic efficiency the implementation strategies have changed over time though. And that's that's what I've been doing lately in the past five to 10 years. I'm glad that you clarified that because I was initially hearing I can still sit on the couch <laughs> and eat Cheetos and Snickers bars yeah. and, and large copious <laughs> amounts of soda. But what I what I heard you clarify was you have to be in shape to go out on a trail run. Totally. And enjoy the trail run, right? You have to have some sort of fitness. So if we're going to enjoy our nutrition, you have to make sure that you're eating some of the good things and a variety of good things. Those good things that uh, make you feel good and have good biological response, like you were saying, and not always eating brownies every night for dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's good to qualify too that, listen, if you like Snickers or Cheetos or brownies, like, so be it. Like, who doesn't? Right. right? I mean, I grew up on that stuff, but I think it is about identifying the why behind eating it. Right. But more importantly, and it's not about justification. I do want to allow listeners to hear this from me. Don't justify, oh, you know, I had this, I had four hours on the trail today, so I'm going to have Snickers and Cheetos and whatever. Don't justify it. Like I'm all about, like, if you want a certain food and obviously if you're not allergic or intolerant or anything, like have that food, like that's the enjoyment factor. And don't, don't feel like you're a bad person because you had a Snickers bar or whatever. Like it's, it's part of life, right? It's not going to completely derail you, but just make sure you kind of get back on your normal eating plan soon thereafter. This is so good to hear because for many years, when I first started running, there was a lot of guilt. Mm. I missed a run this morning, or I I didn't go as far as I wanted, or I didn't go as fast as I wanted, or, you know, that guilt, but then the guilt of, of nutrition too. If I had a Snickers bar, now I feel guilty and now I need to go out and run two extra hours this weekend because I had a Snickers bar. Yep. Take the guilt out of it and and enjoy the journey. So thank you, Bob. Absolutely. Well, and it's so similar to training too, isn't it? Like we need to enjoy the training journey also. And, and along with that, like nutrition supports that training journey and, and vice versa. Good point. So here's my question. I'm trying to I'm trying to get to a race weight. Yeah. And I'm trying to remove these 10 pounds that I've been carrying mm-hmm. around and that I really yeah. don't need to uh to accompany me on this run. Right. And so 
to try to reduce these 10 pounds, I'm going to make a statement and, and I'm not trying to preload or, or steer you in a direction, but I need help with this. Yeah. Um, I, I tell myself, and I may be wrong, and that's why I want to ask, starvation is not a diet, that it's important to eat mm-hmm. and periodically, three maybe three meals, three eat, feeding times per day, but right. to starve myself through the day and just eat the one meal isn't the best strategy, or is it? Yeah, that's a that's a Pandora's box right there because now we're getting into that fasted training, right? Yeah. So what I'll say there is there's some decent scientific research to support the mitochondrial effect. That's the cells, that's the structure of the cells where we produce energy and ATP. There's some good research on that with longevity, not necessarily for athletes who are doing races and competitive events. What what doesn't matter how competitive you are, but that's where I kind of have a bad feeling with that. So In a fasted state, can you wake up tomorrow morning and run fasted? Sure, absolutely you can. But if you've got any type of high quality training, it's going to be nearly impossible to hit the markers you're trying to hit. Now, if you wake up, here's my mantra. If you wake up and you're like, listen, I am not hungry. I'm going to go run. I'm going to go have a great run. I'm going to go enjoy myself. And it's, you know, under a couple hours, no harm, no foul. I should say this though, there is some research being pulled out specifically on females and fasted training, how it doesn't work. It could actually be more of a negative than it is for males. So there is a little bit of separation. It's not hard, steadfast right now in terms of females should not fast, but there is some research coming out to suggest that. So to your point, Don, I do not believe in starvation. I believe in listening to the body's cues or the body's hunger cues, right? If you're hungry in the morning, feed your body. Like, don't starve yourself on purpose. But if you're not hungry, wait until you are. Now, the caveat is sometimes we teach our bodies as we get older, we do get wiser. But sometimes, you know, the neurons don't fire efficiently and at the same speed in the brain, right? We forget things. Part of that is we actually turn off our hunger response, right? I see it more in disordered eating with athletes because there are some psychological effects to that. But sometimes if we want to lose weight, we feel like we shouldn't eat, right? And then all of a sudden from a psychological approach, you're saying, I'm going to wake up, not eat, train fasted, not eat again, and just have a huge dinner or whatever it is. Like, I do believe that is not the approach that is not in the bell-shaped curve. Mm. Will it work for you? Perhaps you're one of the outliers, I wouldn't recommend it from a long-term or chronic perspective because what it's doing is it's taking the enjoyment out of your food and out of your daily nutrition plan because now you're following something strict that is elimination-based. Boy, Bob, Bob, I I think you're right. I think if I took my plate at the end of the day where I fasted my way through and then took my plate and weighed it and then took the three meals that I spread out and weighed that plate, they'd probably be the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what we find with this time restricted feeding or fasted training and intermittent fasting is it it is adding up. And, you know, I kind of argue you shouldn't put that much food in your body at one meal, right? It's just, Uh it's really not good for your digestive system. Good. Thank you for that. Yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. good stuff, Bob Sebahar. Thank you for joining us and 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 adding your wisdom to the panel of experts on on nutrition. If you want to listen to more of Bob, you can go to the show notes where we'll link the previous episode that we've had with Bob, or you can go to energyperformance.com. That's E N R G performance.com and you can learn more about his great philosophy of enjoying your training. Yes. Yes. Thank you guys. It's been a pleasure as always. I love chatting with you guys. And and this one was a special one to me because I really got to, you know, kind of expound upon and, and explain, you know, kind of bring in the whole enjoyment factor associated with running and nutrition combined. It's a lifelong sport, hopefully for all of us. Right. And if we're not enjoying it, it, it's going to be flash in the pan. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you, Bob Sivahar. Thank you guys. And to round off our discussion on the training principle nutrition, we have Meredith Terranova with us. Meredith, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Meredith is an ultra-distance runner, a triathlete, a swimmer. She has a bachelor's in human nutrition and consumer science and a master's in advanced nutrition and human performance. Why wouldn't we have her on this uh, training principles episode? Meredith, what should we know about nutrition? 
Well, it's more simple, I think, than we make it out to be. Um, I think we're always looking for some magic potion or magic formula. And I really like to lead with balance. If you eat in balance, and sometimes that balance includes having a piece of cake or eating a piece of pizza, if you lead with balance, then typically your body's going to get everything it needs. That goes for daily nutrition as well as training and racing nutrition. You know, I think, again, people are looking for a magic potion of training and racing nutrition, and they forget just to do the simple things and take in the simple things. As you work with your clients, whether they're endurance athletes or not, what is the main mistake or what are one or two of the, the, the big mistakes that people have or make about nutrition? They undereat. That goes across the board, whether you're thinking of your training nutrition or your daily nutrition, they stop taking care of the basics of what their body needs. Mm. And that means, you know, whether it's skimping out of convenience or skimping out of, oh, if I skip a couple calories here and there, I'm going to lose weight. What they forget is that is the building block to feeling amazing when you're training and when you're recovering and getting everything your body needs. As you say that, it makes me think that, uh, and, and you can support this or not, that as we increase our miles or our hours out there running, that our nutrition needs to follow that increase as well. What do you think of that? Um, I always say that we need to take care of our training. And so, you know, it's doing the little things like stretching or whatever, but it's also saying, hey, if I'm going out for a big run, then I need to eat before, I need to eat during, I need to take recovery after. You know, smaller runs don't take as much major care. And so if you think of building your training as you peak or as your mileage gets, you know, increased, it's that same idea. You have to take care of the whole package around your runs in order to supplement your training. So I think, yes, in some ways, increase training, increase the load, but it can just be as simple as take care of what you're doing around your runs. You know, if your run is significant, make sure you're taking care of all the pieces that you're eating around those runs so that you can train well and you can recover well. Meredith, I have a personal question. Um, Somewhere down the line in my training uh, running journey, I've gotten in the habit of not eating anything before my morning run, which is maybe an hour, hour and a half run. So I don't eat anything. I may have, uh, you know, a glass of water or something like that. And then usually afterwards, I don't refuel maybe as, as good as I did when I was a younger runner. How important is that pre-run fueling and, and post-run fueling? I think for those hour runs, we get a little bit of grace. Of course, we'll feel better if you have something in your system. But if you had a big dinner the night before and you're waking up at four in the morning to get a 5 a.m. run in, some people like just want to get out the door. There's some forgiveness in that. Our bodies are used to going for a one-hour run. But then the key is when you finish that run, taking, again, taking care of yourself, getting in those good carbs, that good protein right after the run, because you're not only replenishing the run, but you're making up for the fact that you didn't fuel beforehand. So you gave yourself a little grace, but then you have work to do on the back end to make sure that you're not depleted. Also, even the best intentioned runner, if they didn't fuel before and then they skimp afterward, they are going to find a way to make up those calories later in the day. (laughs) And it could be that 3 p.m. empty snacking or that bottomless pit after dinner. And you can track it back and say, oh, wow, well, I had this big window in the morning where I just didn't take care of myself. And so no wonder I ate the whole bag of chips at 3 p.m., you know, or no wonder dinner wasn't enough for me. And so you can kind of track it all back to that. Again, I think it depends what time you run. If your body's super used to that one hour run and that's just not part of your schedule to like want to, you know, shove something in before you go, fine. But then you've got work to do on the back end of that. 
I think you nailed it. I do exactly what you just explained where I don't eat before. I usually don't eat right after, but then lunch, dinner, and there's quite a few snacks that happen between lunch and dinner, which are probably not super healthy. So thank you for helping me fix that bad habit in my life. And it's such an easy fix. It's like so simple and could make a huge difference. Since we're on that theme, what about a meal (laughs) after the meal? What about you've eaten dinner, you have this bottomless pit, and eating right before you go to bed? What are, you, what are your thoughts about that, that uh, pre-bed meal, <laughs> if there's such a thing? Well, I, not so much a pre, you know, I call it pre-sleep snack, but one, you should never go to bed hungry. That is disruptive to your sleep. It is a bad habit. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, telling you you're underfueled. So number one, never go to bed hungry. Number two, there's actually research that says that you can enhance recovery by doing pre-sleep protein. So between dinner and that snack before you go to bed, if you get in about 40 grams of protein, you can enhance your recovery, your muscle recovery. So that may look like a Greek yogurt with some berries in it, you know, to complement a good protein dinner. That could be a scoop of protein in milk of choice, you know, if you're not that hungry. Um, that could be doing something like making those little protein balls with the peanut mm. butter and some chocolate chips and oats, doing something like that. Those are all things that'll be one, very satiating, but two, they will help enhance your recovery. Um, and you can be purposeful about it. You know, if you are always hungry after dinner, then look into, okay, well then how do I enhance my protein before I go to sleep? That's brilliant. I am going to use, I'm learning a lot from you, Meredith. Those are, that's a great tip. I love that. Yeah, and it's all easy, right? You're not making any like, you know, second meal that also keeps you from those empty carbs before you go to bed, you know, popcorn chips, mm. snacky foods that are just not really helping you out. They're also not filling, you know, they're kind of filling a moment, but they're not filling your stomach in reality. You know, the the body requires it and it's going to reach out and get it in some way you might as well put in what it really needs you need to you need to be the adult in the room when it comes to your diet you you just can't reach in and grab whatever the kid part of you wants which are the chips and the ice cream and the sauce that goes on top of the ice cream that's that's not the adult in the room well and there's a there's a moment for ice cream like if that's what you want in that moment but it's like if you're looking to fuel yourself you know, be purposeful about it, but there's always room for ice cream, you know. Moderation, moderation, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Meredith, I've looked back in the history books, and as far as I can tell, humans have been on the planet, they've had to eat something. <laughs> so you think we'd know everything there is to know about nutrition. Are there any new scientific studies that have gotten uh, your attention that that may give us some insight on how to fuel better? Um, I mean... It- Every week, there can be a new scientific study. I think at the end of the day, remembering that nutrition is not complex. You know, it is so simple. What our bodies need is just the fats, the proteins, the carbs. You know, it is actually down to that basic science. There's nothing that says overeating is good for us. Everything that says undereating is bad for us. And so it's like, The science can evolve and give us new information, but at the end of the day, it's really the simplistic information that we need the fuel, our body responds to the fuel, and we can be successful on good fuel. I think that's brilliant. I I think that sometimes I overcomplicate my nutrition, at least when I'm purposeful about my nutrition. I try to, I, I probably make it more difficult than it needs to be. I'm glad you gave me permission to make it simple. Well, and I think that that's one of the greatest things is that, you know, it's not sexy. It's not fancy. It's, you know, if we're doing right by our body, we're actually really doing easy things. Meredith, you'll never be able to sell a book on uh, a new nutrition with with a simple program like that. (laughs) Isn't it unfortunate? But yet clients keep coming to me. So I guess I'm doing something right. (laughs) Meredith, thanks for wrapping up this this training principles episode. We've learned a, a lot about nutrition. And I like that the, the, the final word was 
make it simple. Um, listen to your body, make it simple. I love the, the golden nugget of eating maybe a little bit of protein before you go to bed can help with, uh, with recovery during some of those hard training blocks. So thank you for coming on. If you want to learn more from Meredith, you can go to her website, eatingandlivinghealthy.com. And you can, you can hire her as a coach individually, or I hear you do uh, group sessions as well. Is that right, Meredith? Yes, I do a mix. Um, I haven't had a group in a little while, but I typically um, once or twice a year run a group session. So that's a, always an option. Thanks for your wisdom and sharing. And hopefully uh, we can all be better with the food that we take in and, and fuel properly so that we can become better athletes. Absolutely. Have a great day. Go out and run. Mars. And now we've reached the end of the podcast, really the finish line, Scott, where we give high fives as we're coming through the big arch. And we're going to thank our executive producer and editor, Ryan War. And our social media guru, Yana Gibalova. And our website graphic engineer, Katie Burke. We also want to thank the Patreon supporters. If you want to become one, you can go to our website, hit the support us tab, and you can sign up on our Patreon channel. We also want to thank our business Patreon member, Doug Crumley. Doug Crumley is a coach for your finances. He is a private wealth advisor with Crumley & Associates, which is a private wealth advisory practice of AmeriPrize Financial Services, LLC. When you have the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Visit him at www.dougcrumleyjr.com. Scott, we mentioned the deals page quite often. That's on our website, trailrunnernation.com. And we've made a lot of changes there, and we're really proud of it. There's a lot of information there. Of course, there's the deals page where you can get all sorts of discounts on gear that we love and trust. We also have all of our other podcasts. We also have the training principles link. So we just started the training principles episodes at the beginning of this year. All those are kind of organized in one area. So if you're just getting into trail running and want to know the basics of where to start, go to the training principles tab. You can also sign up for our newsletter. We don't fill your mailbox full of junk every week or twice a week. Only when there's important things to happen, you'll also be notified when a new podcast hits the air. So go to trailrunnernation.com.